This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Marcus, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast. My name is Marcus, and I'm sitting here with uh, Doug Monroe. He's the chief academic officer at uh, Quest University, and uh, we're talking politics today. We're always talking about politics. It seems like it's all we're going to talk about until uh, election time, which is uh, at the end of October. So uh, get ready for lots of politics talk. Uh, I brought Doug on today because uh, he has an interesting perspective when it comes down to voting and, and voting habits. And you seem to have, a, you've been working on this particular project for quite a number of years now. I'll let you explain it because I'm sure you can do a much better job than myself. Thanks very much, Mark. <laughs> Thanks for having me on the program. For the last several years, uh, my co-investigator, Kai Beltramino, and I have been working on a project studying political strategy in Canada. Briefly, how do you win elections in this country? And it's been a fascinating tour into the nuts and bolts of campaigns. It's led to some interesting insights into what candidates can do and perhaps ought to do to win elections. And with the municipal election coming up, it's front of mind. I believe that you would have a knowledge base of what's actually happening in the district because you had your students do a few projects for the district. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that we do with the, our classes at Quest, of course, is look for authentic learning experiences. And... Um, most recently, my democracy and justice class noticed that the district had called for staff to develop a strategy to boost voter turnout in Squamish and this coming fall above 50%. That's a very high bar for voter turnout rate in a municipal election. Squamish has been there before in the uh, mid-90s, but it's been a while. Last time I read it was about 30%. So my class worked with the district to develop a, a plan that they could use to achieve this goal. And that's where a lot of the, the insights that I'm bringing today are coming from. Okay. Results. What are the conclusions then? I mean, I can go over the preambles exactly what they've done, but let's just get to the nuts and bolts of it. What do they need to do to get voter turnout? Well, the thing we know about voter turnout is that the younger you are, the less likely you are to vote. And the more personal contact you have, the more likely you are to vote. Okay. So... There's a lot of things you can do to increase youth voter turnout specifically, and if Squamish wants to get an overall higher turnout rate, the youth are where you need to focus. That's the lowest turnout demographic in town. Are they the largest demographic? No, not at all. But in terms of turnout rate, the younger you are, the less likely you are to vote. Particularly if you're between 18 and 34, you have quite a low turnout rate. So what we've suggested uh, is that candidates should knock on doors. Go to the neighborhoods where there is a higher portion of young voters. Go to the neighborhoods that historically have lower turnout than the rest of town. Knock on people's doors. Ask for their support. That has a proven impact on voter turnout. In one study, a pioneering study about 20 years ago, this was shown to increase turnout rates by 15% by itself. It has a higher impact than anything else you can do. And you can't do any shortcuts like doing a Facebook campaign and targeting specific age groups? You can try, and it'll have some impact, but where or we Instagram, can measure so, it, yeah. um, Facebook and Instagram are relatively new to this game. Remember, this is 20 years ago when this first study was done. Right. But for email, which has been around around that same time, there has never been any evidence that it works. There's no measurable impact. Direct mail, a little bit of measurable impact. Uh, regular mail, telephone calls, those have some impact on voter turnout. But knocking on doors is the single most effective thing that a candidate can do. And doesn't have to be a candidate. Third parties can do it as well. Any personal contact, particularly for younger voters, has a very high impact on whether they go out to vote or not. Yeah, you get that sense of belonging into the system, right? Which is what I think was maybe lacking. And when you look at a grander scale, I think voter turnout, I think across the board, when it comes to even municipal, provincial, and federal, voter turnout is pretty much on, on the decline. And it, maybe is it because of less knocking on doors? 
correlation between them? Well, there's a, a long-term story and a short-term story in there. The long-term story is that for the last 50 or 60 years, politics federally and provincially has been shifting towards mass media as one of its main campaign tools. That was seen as a necessary thing. It looked like if your rivals had a good TV campaign and their candidates looked good on TV, they would beat you, and so then all parties started doing that. At the same time as parties did that, local party associations, the, the local fabric of politics, the inclusion, the engagement that came, really atrophied. What we've discovered is that things like knocking on doors, which are very labor-intensive, actually do have a larger impact on voter turnout, but you have to have the people. You need to have people who feel included and motivated and willing to go out and volunteer and knock on doors in the rain. At exactly the moment that parties and candidates have realized this, they've spent several decades allowing those networks to atrophy and investing in TV ads, which don't have that much impact. So that's the long-term story. <laughs> the short-term story uh, is that, especially for young people, there's a vicious circle here. The, the story that campaign managers tell themselves, looking at the evidence, is that young people don't vote. Well, if young people don't vote, don't bother talking to them because they don't vote. Well, the problem is, if you don't talk to them, they won't vote. But there's a disconnect, right? I mean, campaign managers are not are a little long in the tooth. I mean, I think they just decide not to because I, they have an issue of how to reach them. Well, it is partially an issue of how to reach them. Certainly, again, right? Door knocking, very labor intensive. You have to have a lot of volunteers. Uh, they have to be relatively spry, especially in Squamish. We've got some pretty hilly terrain around here. Mm -hmm. And the age of the people who are persistent volunteers, persistent members of riding associations is gradually creeping upwards. This is true across the voluntary sector. All volunteer organizations have a graying membership and challenges getting new members. It's not unique to political parties. And there's also a technical challenge because... If you don't have people to go door knock, you could use less labor-intensive means like phoning people, but then you have to have their phone numbers. Right. Younger people tend not to have fixed lines. Younger people tend to live in higher-density housing like apartment complexes that you don't have ready access to without talking to a super or a building manager and so forth. So there's, there's a bit of a barrier there. But it's largely the perception that young people don't care that leads campaign management to not bother talking to young people, even though... When third parties like Samara Canada survey young voters in Canada, it's very clear that they are active, engaged, committed. They want people to talk to them. They are looking to engage in politics. Uh, they're just waiting, in a sense, for someone to have a hand and invite them on board. What's preventing them from sort of saying, standing up? Uh, is there any, why, why are the youth are in, inhibited of basically standing up for themselves? Why, why do we have to go knocking on their doors? It's not just the youth. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> well, the, one of the paradoxes matter, right? of voting yeah. is that voting is an irrational act for an individual person because you, you can't possibly know if your individual vote is going to change the outcome. And yet voting is inconvenient. It's going to take time. You've got to get off your butt and rearrange your day, drag your kids along. Uh, now, if you do have young children, I strongly encourage you to take them voting. It's fun. If we have to wait in a long line with young children, I will admit that's not fun. No. It's inconvenient. Yes. So you got to go do something inconvenient, and there's, there isn't really any high likelihood that your action is going to determine the outcome or not. So the benefit is negligible or highly uncertain, and the inconvenience is pretty obvious. That makes it a bit irrational. I'm going to right. get very little, and I'm going to go do it. So when you understand that, why does anybody vote? Except that we know that at some level, there is a collective responsibility. What we've determined is that what makes people vote 
is often those senses of connection and of responsibility. And you trigger those by talking to them, by asking them. So anybody is more likely to vote if they interact with somebody who asks them to vote. Right. But the lower the likelihood of your voting, the higher the impact. And so if you're younger, chances are you're less likely to vote, all of the things being equal. So having somebody ask you to vote will have a bigger impact. Because we're, we're talking about engagement, and it's, it's one of those things where I've seen in politics now, the, the ruling parties never have uh, a, a majority. Their numbers are always 30 40%, and then they're in charge of the country. Well, federally, um, that's been true since the first Mulroney government. That's the only government in my lifetime to win more than 50% of votes. 50-point-something was what they won. When you factor in turnout rate, though, no majority government has the support of majority Canadians. That's not a new feature in Canadian politics. Our system is, in a sense, designed to produce that outcome. I understand that. I'm just trying to figure out why, why you know, voters are apathetic or where they just don't care unless they're engaged. You know, it, before it was, it was a sense of duty. Like the older, like my father says, I am Canadian. I'm going to go vote in every election because it's my civic duty. It's my civil duty. I need to do this because this is how our democracy works. Do you see that waning with the younger generations? Is it because that's why they're, they're a little bit more apathetic or they just don't think their vote will matter? Is it because they don't have that sense of duty or is it um, or any other reason? This is a major question in research on voter behavior. There's yeah. no ready answer to it. We do know that attitudes towards democracy are changing over time. And uh, certainly on a geopolitical level, globally, there are actors who are actively working to try to diminish people's sense of attachment to democracy. We, uh, we see regular stories now that Facebook has woken up and realized they created the world's best misinformation platform and people are using it for that because right. it's free. Go figure. So there, there are definitely changing attitudes, but I think it's tempting for us to buy into a, a stereotype notion of the youth or the elderly or the wealthy. One of the things that's a truism in voter research is that uh, our intuitive stories we tell ourselves about how people vote are surprisingly difficult mm -hmm. to substantiate with evidence. It is yeah. quite complex. I mean, I've seen stats can numbers. I mean, still the, the older generations turn out in bigger numbers than the youth does. Um, and then everyone's just to, to try and guess why. Yes. But I mean, it is it is actual numbers that the, you know, the older generations still go out and vote regularly, whereas the youth don't seem to have that same drive. Well, and we know there's two things that are mutually reinforcing there. On the one hand, it's age. So if you didn't vote when you were 20, you are more likely to vote when you were 30 and more likely to vote when you were 40. The older you are, the more likely you are to vote. That's an age thing. But there's also a cohort effect. If you were born in 1970, then you are more likely to vote at age 30 than somebody who was born in 1980. They are less likely to vote than somebody who was at age 30. So we, we see that younger cohorts also are voting at lower rates. One of the things that we know about voting is that it seems to be habit forming. If you can get somebody to vote the first time, they're more likely to keep voting. And we do know that it is connected to sense of, of responsibility or duty or obligation and connectedness to other people. Uh, we know that different age groups use different language to describe that. But why exactly is very difficult to tell. But the thing is, I've seen projects and I've seen programs before to try and get the youth engaged into this process. I've seen when I was in high school, what, what was that was the prime minister then? Paul Martin came to our school and, and basically he engaged us. And he said, hey, and basically this is what we do. This is what politics is for. And, and obviously when prime minister does that, it's more so, I think, because it was near election time. But I've seen programs like that before where local politicians go to high schools and try mm -hmm. and invigorate the youth. And for, maybe they're not doing it correctly because I still see the numbers not really changing. 
Well, the one piece of the puzzle that we don't have in that story is how many high schools and how many candidates? Because to make a dent on the nationwide numbers, Paul Martin's going to have to visit a lot of high schools. Mm. And even the prime minister has well, got, got some that, other responsibilities. That on the front page of the newspaper. My big, my big mug was right there. There you go. Yeah. You're famous. <laughs> we know, again, right, this is from uh, research that's been done in the United States. And the one of the reasons why the research is often done in the United States is that there, whether or not you vote, is a public record. Right. And so researchers can tell, if I mail you this letter, did you vote? or not. And if I randomize a trial across an entire city, I get a sense of whether or not that letter has an impact. In Canada, political parties know whether you voted or not, but it's not public, so researchers don't. The parties actually know more than we do. In any event, we do know that engaging high school students, often in mock voting, mock elections, that works. It increases their likelihood of voting when they become of voting age. It increases their likelihood of registering to vote as well, which in some jurisdictions is a major obstacle. The more real you make it, the bigger the impact. So having a candidate come and talk to you has a fairly mild impact, if any. But running an actual election with mock candidates, or actually having the actual candidates campaign in the high school, and then the high school has an actual election using actual ballots and an actual voting screen as as if it would be done in perfect miniature, and then the actual results are tabulated and published, that has a fairly big impact. Mm -hmm. So one of your conclusions in your report for the district is actually go to the high school and yes. actually have a voter booth at the high school? So one of my uh, student recommendations, the class has made about half a dozen recommendations, and, and we have no indication from the district that they will implement any of these. I'm uh, still waiting for a phone call. <laughs> uh, we recommended that they organize a mock election at House Sound Secondary. We recommended that they use actual ballots, that they use the actual screen, they use the entire procedure, that they could use a student list as the voter register list and have that whole process. We recommended that they publish the results in the chief. This, of course, requires you to have some candidates, so that's a bit awkward, but they could have used the current counselors. Um, we recommended that all candidates be given a handout explaining how to canvas, explaining that it is high impact, and showing them on a map which areas of Squamish they should go to. Where is the low turnout? Where yeah. are the young people? And where are those areas? We actually have the map produced. Mm -hmm. The areas we suggest people go are Tantalus Road, so north of uh, the, the Sushi Sen Tantalus so, dining strip there. So now we're, we're publicly shaming the folks at Tantalus Road, those youth there, for not voting. Well, that's actually a, a low vote turnout area. I do have to say, compared to provincial averages, Squamish is a very high turnout area. But nonetheless, within our town, you've got the northwest corner of Brackendale, Tantalus Road, the estates area, uh, Garibaldi Estates, so uh, anywhere along Mamquam Road where it meets Highway 99, high-density area, relatively high proportion of young voters, relatively low turnout in some of those areas. Great for canvassing because it's high-density, get a lot of doors in a short time. Mm -hmm. And then uh, downtown, also relatively high proportion of youth voters, relatively low turnout. We suggested all candidates be given that information. We suggested that uh, low turnout neighborhoods be sent a flyer to every house saying this is a low turnout neighborhood. Here is when to vote, how to vote, how to register. Get that information in front of people. We suggested the district run a social media campaign. Of course, my class of Quest students thought that was the best thing that people could possibly do, even though the evidence is not entirely there to support it. They thought that would be very useful. And those measures, we are quite confident, would allow the district to achieve their goal of a 50% voter turnout rate. 
Now, we may get that anyway, even if we don't do any of these things. Squamish is a high turnout place, and it's a big election. This is a big election, and there are a lot of big things that are happening. When your incumbent decides not to run, and then you have people with big ideas, especially in a town that's in transition, and lots of work that needs to be done, you're going to see some high active involvement. But like you said, even even the youth, though, they might not necessarily be aware of the issues, and to get them involved would would be the trick. So... Where should they explicitly canvass again? You said Tantalus Road, and uh, where else would you see the 18 to 34 demographic mostly? So young voters in uh, in Squamish, and again, 18 to 34 is a pretty broad spectrum for youth, but this is how census data shakes out for this sort of thing. You're looking at Garibaldi Estates, especially north of Mamquam Road. You're looking at downtown. You're looking at uh, Lower Hospital Hill and the lower end of Valley Cliff, so close to the highway. Those are areas that are high density and have a relatively high proportion of young voters. That's where candidates should go. And candidates have the incentive to do so. The people who win are the people who get out the vote. And we're not talking about a large number of votes. 2,000 votes is all it takes to be the mayor in this town, based on the last election results. So you're, you're not talking a huge number of people. Since the incumbent is gone, what generally is the habits of, say, the, the leftover pool? Because that the incumbent usually has her base. So what usually happens to bases at that point, especially when we don't have assigned parties, right? These are individuals running for individual positions. We don't have, it's not a party system when it comes to municipal politics. So what happens generally to a voter base when their incumbent decides to hang up the hat and then move on? How, how would you convince a, a base like that to come to your side? That's a great question. We should do research on that. Oh, okay. There isn't, <laughs> uh, there isn't a lot of research on this at the municipal level uh, for a number of reasons, but municipal politics is interesting. There's a lot of high-stakes issues. It, it matters a lot. It affects your life yeah, a great I mean, deal. You, your your front line of politics is, is the yes, municipal level. I it mean, is. You're, you're more engaged with your municipal and provincial level than you are at federal level, but it seems like engagement is the other way around. I guess but the federal level is like who represents, who's the face of our country, and so you take notice, but when it comes down to your daily life, it's it's the it's the Brennan Park, it's the district services, it's your property taxes, and then on the provincial level with your schools and mm-hmm. and hospitals and so forth. It's a, it's a paradox of uh, politics in Canada. This is the case, but one interesting feature of municipal elections is that they tend to be low information and low resourced. Well, I'm hoping to change that. Well, this podcast I think will probably help. <laughs> But parties uh, simplify elections a lot, right? They, they can easily help you figure out who stands for which sorts of things, broadly speaking, what are the platforms. Uh, we know that partisan affiliation is a major predictor for how people vote and whether or not they vote. Uh, who do you identify with? That that helps. Those sorts of cues are not available to voters exactly. in a municipal election. That's right. So it's really, really hard to tell. So it's just, it's just nailing down the issues then? Well, it may be. Uh, at a town of our size, it also turns a lot on relationships. But we do know that uh, a lot of what's going to matter is who gets out the vote. Who brings people out to vote on election day? When you have a low turnout election, as municipal elections often are, who comes out to vote is often as important as who they choose to vote for. And what do you see in Squamish? Like You're saying we have to activate the youth. Uh, obviously, then you're saying we have a very active older turnout. Like the 35 and above are, are active when it comes to voting. Across the board, Squamish has quite high voter turnout. And and Squamish voters, provincially and federally, are uh, quite active in the sense that they vote often in advanced polls, for example. So they take advantage of that at a higher rate than I think is the national average. 
So I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the youth who don't vote in the older population who does. There's a lot of demographic factors that play into this. Certainly, though, but we know that the younger you factor. are, the less likely you are to vote, all other things yeah. being equal. Right. And so if you're trying to find somebody, if I wanted to pick a person and have the biggest impact on their likelihood to vote, I'm going to try to find somebody who's younger because chances are I'm going to make the difference. I'm going to push them over the line, wherever that line is, from not voting to voting. Whereas if I engage with somebody who is demographically very likely already a voter, I've increased their odds of voting, but they're pretty likely to vote anyway. All right, so let's do a hypothetical. I'm, I'm running for mayor. I'm Marcus Malpley for mayor. You're my campaign manager. You couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it? <laughs> I'm sure, I'll, I'm sure. I'll, do, I'll do the neighborhood discount for you. We'll do a pro bono. How about right, that? Cool, yeah. All right. <laughs> so the, the real question is, what's the most bang for my buck in yeah. terms of what I do? You don't know what you cannot do. So we don't know if we could not do signs. I don't know if signs work, but I don't know if you can not do them. So I'd say do the signs. All candidate debates, I don't think they're a great use of your time. But well, being the guy up. who doesn't show up, yeah. that's bad, right? right? So there's a certain amount of what you're going to do that's driven not by evidence or research or things that we know, but a desire to make sure we don't omit something that might turn out to be important. And that, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of campaign decision making, really. I think I mean, signage is, is, I think, has been always a big part, and it's more for the subliminal advertising more than anything else. I think uh, the research, uh, this is old research, uh, for any advertising to work, you sort of have to come across it like seven times before you go, oh, wait, yeah, oh, I saw that guy's ad somewhere. And, and then you'll go and try and find it. Um, so, I mean, the signs help, especially if you got your picture on it, like, so they know who you are. So when you're out engaging, like, hey, that's that. That Marcus guy, I'm going to go talk to that Marcus guy because he seems to know what he's talking about. Maybe. Well, as they say in advertising, you know that half of your ad budget is wasted, but you don't know which half. Mm -hmm. It's the same, I guess, when it comes to politics or basically getting people to vote for you. Yeah, we there's a lot of things where we don't know, and this is what's uh, animating this multi-year research project. We're three years into it now, is to try to get a handle on some of this stuff as best we can using some novel research methods and some new data tools that we're uh, developing. But what I would say as a campaign manager is that the thing that's going to matter for you is voter engagement. So you need to go knock on doors. You need to get people to knock on doors on your behalf as best you can. You need to make a team of people. You need to make a plan. You figure out where in town you're going to go, who's going to go, when they're going to go, and you keep track. Which doors have you knocked on? Where did you talk to the person? And did they say they were going to support you or not? Because mm -hmm. you go back. If, if you knocked on a door and they weren't home, you go back and you knock on the door. You keep track of all of that. At a municipal level, you probably don't have the resources to then have a I bank would, of volunteers with I, phones I phoning people, right? If but I was running, if I was going against Trudeau or anybody or running for Trudeau or for, for a federal government or whoever. Right, you're going to hope you have a team for this. I, I, yeah, I kind of yeah. need the support. I'm not like that guy in, in Quebec who's just going to start my own party and go, yeah, here we go. Um, I'm sure Maxime has at least two people working. <laughs> well, he needs, bit, he needs 150 to be a party, I think. But anyway. But you, you, you want to get a couple level, of volunteers, but is, you... Yeah. Knock on doors. Yeah. Go door knock. It's the number one thing you can do. Uh, and you want to invest that time, uh, I would say, over a lot of other things you might possibly do. Uh, I would not suggest, for example, that you uh, spend an hour Facebooking with possible voters. I would suggest that go knocking on doors is a better use of that time because I have evidence that that works. And there's no evidence that Facebook interactions have a similar kind of impact. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Are we but talking about all levels too, like councillors and mayors? Or is it the uh, same, same type of engagement for both levels? A candidate in an election, right. whether it's to be an MP, an MLA, a councillor, or a mayor. The number one thing you can do is go door 
door knock. And of course, you want to be efficient, so you find a high density neighborhood because right. the doors are close together. Well, we we have those numbers, right? We talked about how we're certain which areas they should be hitting. So, I mean, it seems easy enough. <laughs> you know, Cicero once wrote in uh, in Rome in the Age of the Republic a guide for how to win elections, and when I have taught courses on political strategy at Quest. The first reading on the first day is an excerpt from Cicero's guide to how to win elections and is go talk to people. That's what wins it. And at well, municipal politics, that's yeah. that's what you've got. Nobody in this election has got $100,000 to spend on TV ads. So it, it is, in a sense, politics at its truest and most traditional roots. Now, what if I go in the newspaper and start slagging other candidates? Well, as your campaign manager, I would recommend against that. And if okay. you did anyway, I think I might be forced to resign. <laughs> Dang it. Can't clean the swamp. <laughs> Drain the swamp. I had to do that. Come on. We're talking about politics. Trump has to come in at some point, right? Dead air from your guest. Dead air from the guest. That's a sign that I'm not engaging in that one whatsoever. Thank you very much. That's beyond my scope. But I wanted to discuss. Thank you. If there's anything else you need to add or any any other big important notes apart from door knocking, if uh, if there's any supplemental stuff that can uh, go along with that. or Well, the thing that I think is most important to keep in mind is that democracy only works if people are engaged. The whole legitimacy of the system stands on the premise that people are meaningfully consulted and meaningfully engaged in the outcome. So if we want to have that kind of confidence in our town, in our local government, if we want to say, yes, this government reflects the will of the people who live here, then we need to have people be engaged. So from my perspective, no matter which candidate, no matter which party, no matter which issue, more people voting is good. And I would encourage all candidates to canvas their electorate. Go talk to as many people as you can and try to bring out the vote. That's the cherry on top right there. Thank you very much, Doug Monroe from uh, Quest University for joining me today and uh, for your insights on, on, on voting. And, and basically, hopefully we've motivated actually some people to go out and engage and to ask questions and to ask uh, their, their candidates what they're about. And hopefully um, we, we can have a sound turnout. I certainly hope so. Marcus, pleasure to be on the show as always. Thank you. This is the Sea to Sky podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky podcast. Thank you for clicking us on.